I am recording. Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, I'm Roshi. Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome to Yonic Boom, the podcast hosted by three deadly feminist midwives exploring women's reproductive and sexual health. Hello. 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 <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> we There's always pause been a, a little bit there. A pregnant pause. Just like a pensive moment. Yeah. Yeah. To get us How in are the we mood. all? Yeah, Grant. Yeah, good. Yeah. We never did we never... I'm excited to be back you recording. Are? I'm excited to be yes, back recording. Very excited. I'm very happy. Virtual virtual it's... recordings. Yeah. Over the airwaves. Um so we have a new segment this week. We haven't had a new segment in a while. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Tell us the news. Tell us the news. Yeah. Um, Roisin, do you want to start with your news? Um, I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so weird to be saying that because she's seven and a half months old now. <laughs> it's not news to me very vivid every day <laughs> um so yeah i had a baby in well the very last day of june mm. in 2020 um nell is her name and she's very cute what will i tell you well it you? sounds like so tara and i did actually know this we have seen now <laughs> yes yes <laughs> she's socially distanced of course always um will i tell you how she got here Yes. Go on. Do you want Tell to know? Do people yes. Want to know? I don't know. The people, the people a, want to know. It's a birthing podcast. True, true. Um, God, yeah, because, well, we've had one episode since, but I only, like, revealed her existence the episode before that, I think. <laughs> that feels mad. Um, so, yeah, she was nine days late, mm-hmm. which was the nicest nine days ever um actually no I have to say I wasn't very uncomfortable um and probably thanks to her head not being in my pelvis for a really <laughs> long time <laughs> it helps yeah um no the, it was like very touch and go for a while there the placenta wasn't in the right place and then for a while there she wasn't in the right place and then they I had a check at my I think my 39 I think it was my 39 or my 40 week I had mm-hmm. uh, an internal examination and they were like your cervix is nowhere near ready for this Um, so I was like I'm definitely having a section this is it like there's no way and I kind of went oh that must have been at my 39 weeks and then at my 40 weeks I was like saying to the doctor can I have a little bit more time Um, so I went in at 41 weeks and had the sweep of all was that great was that really fun experience actually i didn't find it that bad like it was uncomfortable but it wasn't like it definitely felt like somebody was right up there yeah but it wasn't painful i would say um and i didn't really think anything much after that i went i walked back to my car um i said to my husband let's go for a walk and try and make the most of this sweep so we drove straight from the hospital to 
Dunleary Pier and I walked the length of Dunleary Pier. I had mm-hmm. a bit of period pain, felt fine, came home, sat on my ball for the rest of the evening, went to bed. I woke up, I kind of sort of half woke up through the night then and uh, had, like was aware something was happening. My waters broke during the night. I went into the hospital. I got checked out. They said everything was fine. Wasn't really having regular yeah. pain. So I came home again. I think I got home at about seven o'clock in the morning. And the moment I turned the key in the door, my pains started and they were one in three minutes. The oxytocin was flowing mm-hmm. then. It was mad. And yeah. then um, just hung around at home for a while having pains. Kev was amazing. He just kept telling me. I did hypnobirthing and spinning babies. So he just kept reminding me to do stuff that we'd prepared for. And I had three baths. I was on the ball. I had the tens on. I had the tens off. I tried to lie down on the bed. I couldn't. I was walking up and down the stairs. I did loads of things just to distract myself. And then probably the third hysterical crying fit that I had, Kev was like, okay, maybe we should go in and see if anything's (laughs) happening. (laughs) At one point he came into me and I was in the bath on all fours, just sobbing. And he was like, are you okay? And I was just like, most of the pain I was feeling was in my hips. It was just like really achy, burny Mm. kind of pain in my hips. And I was like, I just, if it was just in my tummy, it would be fine. But my hips are so sore. Yeah. So my sister came and collected us, brought us in. Um, Kev couldn't come in with me, which was a bit crap, but um, yeah, went in, got checked. They were like, you're two centimeters. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be here forever. Um, and I was like, I'm going to have to get some pain relief just for that hip pain. So yeah. I can kind of have a break from it for a little while. So I was going to go yeah. to the early labor ward and have an injection of pethidine. But the midwife had to go out of the room in the emergency room and get me some chocolate because Neville was uh, not behaving on her CTG. Um, and in that space of time, about 15 minutes, things just went a bit wild. Okay. So when she came okay. back, she was like, we need to check you again. And so I was four centimetres then. Then they brought me to the labour ward. Kev was allowed to come in, which was deadly. I was mostly standing for all of my labour, used the gas and air, which was divine i loved it great like love 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 loved it we'll have some more right now (laughs) um and then so what time i got into the hospital at 12 and she was born just before four o'clock it's really good that's amazing yeah Yeah. it was deadly amazing um i didn't really push her out i would say that she just sort of flew out of me (laughs) at a rate that was very challenging to be a part of but um yeah it was very intense had asked for an epidural because it became very intense very quickly but actually that was just her starting to come <laughs> out progress. yeah um so then there she was it's a great yeah. birth story it's been it's yeah. a lovely one i'm like so pleased i have to say yeah um it was all very like fucking insane at the time but then in hindsight you start to be all right again remember afterwards i was like oh my god that's amazing you didn't have an epidural and that was your plan you're like it wasn't by choice in the end <laughs> i was begging them for an epidural <laughs> there wasn't yeah. time i was just like it's a tiredness i couldn't it's it's not like a i don't know how you describe the tiredness of, mm. of that like of just needing a break like mm. 
it's so mad to watch it as a midwife and go through it. Yeah. Like, because like, even as a midwife, when we're doing like all the like listening in and stuff after every contraction, like three minutes obviously seems really fucking short time. But when you're actually having the contractions, it was like nonstop. And some of my contractions were like over a minute long. Oh, yeah. So really, it was just all the time. So intense. And here you yeah. are now. It was mad. Yeah. And here you are here now. You're a great big girl now. <laughs> yeah. And we've had loads of ups and downs and breastfeeding wasn't what it was supposed to be and naps weren't what they were supposed to be. <laughs> she lived in a sling for about six months of her life and yeah. all that. But it's great. She's here. That's Yeah. Can't wait to She's meet her. Lovely. She's a lovely baby. <laughs> <laughs> Any other news? So, I'm pregnant. Yay! Yay! Yeah, I'm I'm pregnant. Um, yeah, so I'm 23 <laughs> weeks and five days now. So, yeah. Oh, so lovely. exciting. Lovely. So, it's lovely, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to have the baby in the hospital that I work in. I'm with the community midwife mm-hmm. team. Um, glucose tolerance test pending. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Hopefully that's negative. But other than that, I'm fine. Um, Did I tell around. you that I celebrated my glucose tolerance test being all clear by drinking a can of full fat coke <laughs> and eating a bag of marshmallows? <laughs> I really it's hope great. that I'm sending you both like a picture of maybe like curry cheese chips and yeah, some kind of you know. You will be full fat, yeah. kind of. I don't know, some kind of lemon Pellegrino or something. Just, um. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of carbs. Like yeah, just you know yourself. Obviously, yeah. apart from apart from the main health complications of um, gestational <laughs> diabetes, I don't want it to impinge on my lifestyle in any way. <laughs> I want to keep it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So. Very good. So our little gang is yeah. growing. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. And I'm having a girl too. So cool. it's, it's a full girl gang. And. Ah. Um, All the girls together. So today we are going to talk about the initial postnatal period. So this is just when you've had your baby and before you leave the hospital. So right up to when you get discharged home. So. Most of my experience has been in the delivery suite. So I'm just going to talk a bit about that. Um, so we're kind of basing this. So last week, I suppose, actually, I might start by saying a little bit on recovery just because we finished uh, talking about sections last week. Um, mm-hmm. So once you have your baby and you go to recovery, you're going to be there. It depend, potentially depends on the hospital, but like typically you're going to be staying there for probably at least an hour Um afterwards sometimes a little bit more and so the midwife will be doing your the check on your baby um which I'll go through in more detail but then when you're in recovery so skin to skin isn't always feasible when you're in the in the theater room and it really depends on what hospital you're in so I know in the hospital we're in we try and facilitate it but it can be really difficult because of your position on the table <clears throat> so once yeah. you're in recovery um Generally speaking, as far as I'm aware, a lot of hospitals will facilitate skin to skin for you and your baby. Mm. And that's where you're going to initiate mm. your first feed. So 
the baby will go down your theatre gown um, provided that there's no kind of other COVID restrictions or anything like that your partner that was in at the section with you will come in and sit with you um, and then you'll be having kind of really close observations initially because you've just had surgery so kind of observations on your blood pressure heart rate temperature every five minutes initially and then they'll be checking your bleeding checking your wound and then once you're deemed stable then you're going to be transferred to the ward with your baby um mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to add to that no, so. like you try like obviously like you you're you're getting the baby's first feed done in that yeah. time and then um like some people will transfer with the baby skin to skin or some people will dress the baby you know it's kind of whatever they want or maybe whatever the staff will will recommend yeah, yeah it kind of depends on the situation yeah. really as well doesn't it Mm -hmm. yeah um so okay so that's if you've had a section then so if you're in the delivery suite so this is if you've had a normal delivery um so you've just birthed your beautiful baby and they're crying they're turning lovely and pink and they've been placed right up mm -hmm. on top of your chest so when the baby comes out initially so your midwife is going to dry it's going to dry your baby's face just to remove any secretions from around the mouth typically we would dry the baby to stimulate them now, some people kind of would request, say, that they don't want the vernix to be rubbed in or they don't want the baby to be dried. So if that's something that you don't want, that's something that you can say, you can discuss beforehand. Now, if the room, if you haven't been in the room that long, if the room is still cold, if it hasn't heated up, it would be advisable that your baby was dried off before before they went up on top of you just to keep them warm. Um, yeah. because obviously they can cool down a lot faster if they're wet so that will be kind of a benefit of drying them but equally if people want to have them straight out I think it can be dried without removing all the vernix as well like you yeah can, you like mm. literally just dry off like the wet like the amniotic fluid yeah and you like you can't rub off vernix with one go like no no it's so thick no it's so um thick. so the baby goes up on your chest so the aim of skin to skin is you're trying to get as much contact with the baby's body and your chest. So when the baby's lying on top of you, they're going to be kind of will turn their head to the side. So they're going to be looking at your partner so they can kind of keep an eye and make sure that their that their mouth is free and that they're breathing properly. Um, so skin to skin is not just exclusively for those who want to breastfeed. So UNICEF, there's like the evidence on skin to skin is is irrefutable overwhelming <laughs> yeah irrefutable yeah. so the main benefits are um it calms and relaxes both mother and baby regulates the baby's heart rate and breathing helping them to adapt to life outside the womb stimulates digestion and an interest in feeding regulates temperature enables colonization of the baby's skin with the mother's friendly bacteria thus providing protection against infection and stimulates the release of hormones to support breastfeeding and mothering so it's really yeah. good and it's lovely. Um, so ideally so you will lovely. have one hour of uninterrupted skin to skin within the first hour of your baby's life. That's in a perfect world. We do, I think most yeah. hospitals. Yeah, I think that we do. It's like only like it's... to literally do the, like do mm. the weight, you know, uh, but ideally you're doing that either beside the bed or certainly just in the room, like right beside yeah like, that's the thing you know? and like there's there's little checks that your midwife's going to do so um 
I suppose actually yeah I'll start with the baby so what we need to do for the baby is we will take your baby's weight some hospitals will take your baby's length um, and the baby's head circumference not everywhere does that so don't worry but a weight is a standard and the midwife will do a head to toe check so this is where we check kind of everything we go basically from head to toe counting fingers counting toes um, and if there's anything that we see that doesn't look normal we would refer the baby we would get a doctor to come in and have a look at them the vast majority of babies are going to be normal or um you know usually if anything is being picked up on a scan we will know that ahead of time but like this is kind of so this is the first check that your baby's going to have we'll do a temperature of the baby and then Mm -hmm. um so one of the first decisions that parents are going to have to make in terms of their baby's care is whether or not they want to give vitamin K. So vitamin K is an injection, ideally given as an injection. Um, it's a vitamin. Sorry. Sorry, my headphones just fell out. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, sorry, I'm making a bit of a mess of this. No, you're not. No, I, fine. Actually got on, re- sorry, I actually got really pregnancy short of breath there. <laughs> okay so um vitamin k deficiency bleeding is really rare so that basically it's one in eleven thousand babies will have a bleed due to a lack of vitamin k so what vitamin k does is it's a one-off injection of the vitamin and it um it provides enough vitamin k to prevent this from happening so it's when we're giving vitamin k we're preventing something that's really rare but equally babies who have vitamin k deficiency bleeding it's really quite serious it's fatal um, so yeah. it can be given as a one-off injection or orally over which is over a couple of doses within the first few weeks of the baby's life so there's not as much research to support the oral uptake it also doesn't taste very nice we were talking about this we'd all tasted it and it's really kind yes, of sour or... metallic um it's horrendous and there's not yeah there's not as much evidence so it's not as effective as the intramuscular but anyway it's it should always be your choice so that's something that you'll get to talk about but you should probably have make your decision before you go in would be my advice yeah um yeah and is it it's sarah wickham's website that has yes good information if people want to read about it i actually yeah i put that in the show notes so she has kind of four myths about vitamin k um, mm. And it covers kind of, I suppose, the main things that people say, like she's devoted 20 years of her life of research to vitamin K. So she's definitely the expert. Yeah, that's where to go to get it. Yeah. Um, And what else is there about that? No, that's fine. And then you're going to initiate your feed. So we're going to be doing a whole episode about feeding. But before you leave the before yeah, you leave I the suppose... delivery suite, you know, the midwife will assist you to feed, be that either with formula or breastfeeding. So the baby will feed before you leave. And then for the woman, so the main thing is gonna be um, ensuring that the bleeding is well controlled. So the midwife is gonna be checking your pads, changing them. um, She's gonna be feeling your uterus to make sure that it's contracted. We're gonna be doing Mm -hmm. a set of, um, of observations on you. So that's your blood pressure, your temperature, your heart rate. And then we're gonna do bladder care. So if you've had an epidural, um, we would suggest that you have a catheter, just one off, just to empty your bladder before you go back to the ward or else we'd be mm. encouraging you to go to the toilet, either sit out on the commode or walk out to the toilet. 
Um, mm. So it's really important that your bladder is emptied for your uterus to contract back to normal. So that's kind of a major, another major thing that we'd like to happen within the first few hours of you having your baby. Um, yep. Then you're going to have a little freshen up. So you're either going to have a shower, you're going to have a lovely little bed bath. What did you get, Roisin? I okay. shower. Um, and then you're going to have it was lovely. the most important yeah. thing, the tea and toast. Do you remember it? <laughs> Glorious. Glorious. Yeah. So it's kind of like a ride Best of even with, ever eat. Even with yeah. gluten-free toast, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've earned You've it. earned it. But I did feel really mad out of it afterwards. Like I went out to the shower and I just felt really like woozy isn't the right word. Like I just didn't even feel like my feet were on the ground. Yeah. Like it was total mad adrenaline. In the shower. Wild. Yeah. And for hours afterwards, like I didn't even, I fe- kind of felt like I was floating above myself. Like mm. it was really strange. And like <laughs> probably... <laughs> Good, good to say this now, seven months later. I probably shouldn't have walked to the ward because I did not feel like one hundred percent. I did not, but I was just like, yeah, cool. That sounds I'll like walk. there's a claim coming. Really, like, I felt like really floaty and just like not really. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll walk. No problem. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think I was trying to look up tea and toast to see. Because it's just such an Irish thing, but it's also, I think it's a big thing in England as well. Um, yeah. So, Tara, I believe you're going to talk to us about what women are eating around the world. So, yes, we found this little article that was about seven, like, postpartum foods from around the world. And um, so they, it's, here's some. So in Turkey, they have this, like, red kind of a tea with cinnamon and cloves. And it's called Lahusa Serbita. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that sounds nice. So it's given in the hospital and then you have it again at home. And then in Japan, they have, um, a sticky rice, like a sweet rice with azuki beans and, um, it's called Sekihan. So that sounds really nice. Um, and actually I remember I did this course a couple of years ago. It was like a workshop, like to make your own miso paste. And I was asking the woman, like what? what do you give women postnatally? I think I was pregnant. That was probably what, and anyway, whatever. And plus I have an interest in these things. And she was like, oh yeah, we have rice and we give them beans and stuff. So anyway, that's obviously it. Um, so yeah, that's that's what they have in Japan. Um, in the Netherlands, they have uh, biscuits with mice. So in the Netherlands, they have these little, they're like sprinkles. Have you ever seen the like toast yes. sprinkles that they have? In the Netherlands, yeah. So, yeah, they're so cool. Um, no, oh yeah, no. So it's like it's like you put like your butter on your toast, and then you literally put sprinkles on your toast. Oh, cool. That's like they're like yeah, you can get like chocolate ones or or just sweet ones. So they have these ones, these mice ones, and they come in like white and blue or or um, pink, and um, they're um, little aniseeds covered in sugar and you put them on these biscuits and you have them um because i think aniseed anything in that kind of a realm like any like fennelly like those are all good for milk you know so i think that that's why that's like a lot of i love the way you said uh, netherlands by the way in the netherlands (laughs) (laughs) 
love it. Um, in South Korea, they have a seaweed soup um, packed with nutrients. Um, and um, so that's their first um, postpartum meal. And even for a few weeks, it's called Miyokiguk. And in Lebanon, Lebanon um, as spiced tea as well. Einar spiced tea. Um, so much the same like with aniseed and cinnamon, those kind of spices. Um, in China, they have red eggs, which are celebrating a baby that are that's a month old. And then in Egypt, they have a, uh, something called mugat. So that's when the baby is about a week old and the mother and the guests get this. It's made of hot water and sugar and like a herbal powder. And I don't know if you guys remember me talking before about the megli, which is like another like an Arab yeah. Yeah. dessert. And I had it... So it's like made with like ground rice powder and you put like cinnamon um, and like lots of different kind of spicy kind of spices in it. And it's so nice. Um, And again, that's given in hospitals in the oh. Middle East, like to, to like because it helps the milk and everything. Um, So, yeah. So that's there you amazing. go. There's I little, want to be gifted with um, a dozen red eggs. <laughs> one month after the baby's arrival i will I shall put it in my calendar make a note yeah <laughs> we'll do six thank you so much that's the least you could do yeah um but yeah um i was just like as you were talking about the the recovery room there i was reflecting on my own experiences um which were mixed i vomited a lot after i had my children it was a really unpleasant experience <laughs> i can't it went on for hours i got all the medications it didn't stop it was horrendous it was absolutely horrendous but anyway do you look, think were you just really sensitive stopped eventually. To, to the drugs to the anesthetics yeah i obviously was yeah i obviously was that's my you are that's straight my, edge sure very was the same yeah, that, that's my straight edge lifestyle. Exactly. My, my <laughs> you couldn't, total, you couldn't very act, sober, you couldn't very the boring. Anesthetic. No, no. She doesn't even um, drink Prosecco. But anyway, <laughs> no. <laughs> I got over it eventually anyway. It was fine. Um, Cool. Roisin, have you? So yeah, this? then after all that, all your lovely snacks, um, you're coming to the postnatal ward um, where you will meet me. Um, so you can expect to come to a room either, generally speaking, I think in Ireland, there's either like four bedded rooms, six or seven bedded rooms, up to 10 bedded rooms. Or obviously, yeah. if you're a private patient, um, you're going to a single room or if you need isolation for some reason. So obviously, that's a little mm -hmm. bit more pertinent these days. Um, so usually a midwife or a student midwife will um, come to greet you. Um, so a midwife will be coming with you from the delivery suite or the recovery room and then a midwife from the ward is greeting you and kind of showing you to your bed space. Um, your typical kind of length of stay, depending on what type of delivery you've had, is between 24 hours and five days. But it might be longer if you've had certain things going on for you or baby. But generally speaking, what you're aiming towards is having stable kind of observations Um for mum and for baby and good feeding for baby before you're ready to go home so lots of people kind of immediately when they land on the word are like when can I go home and yeah. it's like take a breath let's just check everything over and 
then I'll have the information that I need to kind of go through all of that with you. So um, a handover of care then kind of takes place between the two midwives and they just talk about like your history, any pre-existing medical history you have, what's gone on for you during your pregnancy, the type of delivery you've had, what pain relief you've had, if any. Um, if you've had a perineal tear, they'll talk about that, how much blood you've lost. Um, they'll talk about having checked your placenta and then they'll go through the details of your baby, including um, baby's weight, how you're feeding, if you received that vitamin K injection, um, if the baby's had any wet and dirty nappies since birth um, mm. and then anything about like any of your observations during your delivery or just immediately afterwards, if any of them were off in any way. If you're, you know, needing to have IV fluids for any reason, anything like that. And um, if you're receiving any medications, so like blood pressure, if you've had diabetes, when your next medications might be due, all that kind of thing. Um, and any other kind of relevant information from your history or your experience. Um, so then kind of postnatal staff are going to do like a check overview, fairly similar to what you might have just had in the delivery suite or the recovery room. So vital signs check of blood blood pressure temperature heart rate they're going to ask you about pain they're going to ask to check your bleeding they're probably going to ask again to have a feel of your tummy to check um if your uterus is well contracted um and then they're going to have a look at your baby so um not as detailed a check as the head to toe check that your baby's just had in the delivery suite or the recovery room but a brief head to toe check just to confirm yeah. that the previous, like kind of confirm the findings of the previous one. Um, so they will tell you at that point, the postnatal midwife, if you or your baby are going to be having any more regular observations. So let's say you had a temperature in your labor. They're going to say, we need to check your blood pressure, temperature, etc. every four hours for a little while until we're sure that everything is stable and we're happy enough with everything going on. And similarly for your baby, if there's anything that's been flagged for your baby, they're going to tell you if your baby needs more regular observations. Um, they'll also then just kind of show you around the ward where the toilets are, where the showers are, where you can get water. You'll be given a jug of water generally and then you can go and fill it up once you're mobile yourself or if you're partner um has been with you they'll kind of tell you where you can get things and that kind of thing you'll be shown your call bell yeah. um essential piece of kit um so that's for <laughs> <laughs> that's for emergencies that's for emergencies um so that is like <laughs> i was like i better not talk about the call bell but you will yeah. be shown where your call bell is it's just a controversial topic. I think that's an episode I was going to say, itself. yeah, yes. I think kind <laughs> of I, Joe Duffy kind of covered that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I know, like I always um, think, like you never mind somebody ringing the call bell for like something genuine. But you know, when you answer a call bell, you're like really busy. You're like, okay, I'm just going to run in. I'm going to help this person. And then they're like, um, could you just pass me that banana from the top of my bag? Yeah, and you're like, sorry, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, the banana. <laughs> it's just the bag is just at the end of the bed. <laughs> and you're like, do you are you okay? Do you feel okay? Do you feel weak? Do you feel weak? Are you okay? And they're like, yeah, no, I feel fine. I just really want that banana. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, I was actually trying to help somebody breastfeed, but okay, yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, you're grand. You're grand. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, like I would just maybe advise you to use your common sense 
when ringing your call bell. Um, it's there for when, if you've had an epidural or if you're feeling unwell, that you need someone's attention, obviously. And then yeah. in cases of emergency, when you are up and mobile and able to move about the bed space on the ward yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the okay, the international symbol for okay here. <laughs> um, so like once you're all kind of checked over and settled in, that's kind of your opportunity to just kind of double check with your midwife what the kind of goings on are. So if you want to know when or if you can have painkillers or what you can have, or if you're not sure, they'll go through with you like how often to feed your baby, if you're worried first time parents and you've never changed a nappy before that's when you can say to them you know when we go to change the baby's nappy for the first time will somebody give us a hand yeah like all that sort of stuff you can air it all out um and then what was i gonna say oh yeah blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) and no i was just gonna say about visiting and that so obviously it's a very kind of tricky time at the moment with visiting um so it just kind of is going to depend on the day-to-day things now at the moment but generally speaking if you've come down to the ward your partner is usually to stay with you all the time during daytime hours and mm-hmm. um, at the moment I think a lot of the units are kind of restricting it to a one or a two hour time slot or nothing or nothing unfortunately yeah we've nothing yeah. where I work I can't stress enough if you come down to the postnatal ward at night time, your partner is going to be asked yeah. to go home. Regardless. And yeah. that is just to facilitate the other mums and babies having a restful night and the fact that it's pitch black practically yeah. in the room. So a midwife yeah. doesn't walk in in the middle of an emergency and be falling all over a partner. Mm. We understand that it's a very sensitive and vulnerable time and that your partner going home isn't the ideal. But it's for the maximum good of the maximum amount of people yeah obviously if you're concerned in any way voice those concerns but there's midwives and maternity care assistants there to help you through the night and really it does go very fast i have to say yeah like they'll be back in before you know it and you have help and support there in the meantime yeah yeah i do think it is tricky at the moment like with covid like with with little or no visiting Mm. Like it, there's yeah. no doubt about Very it. Very hard. It's so hard. Um, so but, many um, emotional goodbyes I've witnessed. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's really sad. You yeah. really feel for people. Mm. It's, I kind it's of forgot about hard. it. And then we were being brought to the ward and the midwife was just like, okay, Kev has to leave now. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, he's not coming to the ward with me. Like, yeah. oh, okay. And then it was literally just like at the lift doors, goodbye. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, oh, we're we're done now. Yeah, it's, I know it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. It is short term, um, as you say, Roisin, because like, you know, you are looking at just a matter of days before you're, yeah, before you're home again. And some places even shorter. Like some places will let you go at six hours. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like I like in the UK they have much more like robust postnatal follow up, so they do tend to go home earlier quicker. i think in the uk yeah. than here but um but um but yeah it is hard and actually do you know what amy what we had said we were going to mention about it being such a short time those first couple of hours when you are in recovery or you are in um 
you yeah. know delivery and you're you've got this brand new baby and we were going to talk about it's like focusing so precious yeah, yeah so yeah, precious and just like not being like straight on facebook yeah um, i couldn't advise you know, and that doing all those i things. couldn't advise anyone to do that more really just not tr- like and the thing is the temptation like if people have been in hospital for a couple of days or um you know they've kind of told everyone they're going in and there's being bombarded with texts, phone calls for the whole labour and yeah. it seems like the easiest thing to do is just to ring, you know, to make the call and say the baby's here. But as soon as you make those calls, that starts a cascade of people wanting to contact you. Having to, yeah. yeah. Like everyone is so excited. Like, you know, there's like there's hardly any news that's kind of better really, is there? You know, like people are so excited about mm. it. And you're just never going to get those first few hours with your baby back. And if you're spending the whole thing, and especially now when partners are going home, and I just think you're standing there and you're, ta- you know, like you're kind of on Facebook or you're on Instagram or you're on WhatsApp and your baby's yeah. in the cot. You, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. You can tell yeah. those people, like just, yeah. people don't need to know the second your baby is born. No, no, for sure. Definitely not. So I would consider phone usage. Yeah, I th- like I think I waited a good three hours. Just there was yeah. a lot of stuff going on. So we ended up being in the delivery suite for a lot longer than maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think, yeah, it was like they came in and were like, is it OK with you if we leave in the next 10 minutes to go down to the ward? And that was when it dawned on us that like Kev wouldn't be coming with me and I was like oh shit we better like at least ring our parents and tell them we've yeah, had the baby yeah. so we just like made a quick phone call then but it was so lovely to not be thinking about or having to talk to people yet and yeah. have that time you know it was really nice I would yeah. highly recommend it mm. yeah. sorry Roisin for cutting across your segment <laughs> No, segment. no, you're fine. Um, I'm just going to fly <laughs> through this really quickly. Um, it's just sort of what to expect on the day to day on the postnatal ward then. So kind of cool. each day and night that you're there, you can expect that you and your baby will have a detailed check like that admission check. So like all your vital signs and a full check of like, how are you getting on? How's your pain? How's your bleeding? How's baby's feeding? Nappies, all that kind of thing. They'll be checking that at least like fully in depth time with you at least once every 12 hours so like Mm -hmm. the staff change over day to night so the new staff coming on for the day or the night will do a full thorough check with you and then they'll be popping in and out to you throughout the day or the night asking you if you need anything how the feeding's going and so on um so like those are kind of the times to say catch somebody if you're worried about something if you have a question about something and then you know they'll be kind of buzzing around the ward doing a million other things just grab somebody if you if you need them then at that point yeah absolutely Um, at those checks is when someone will flag with you if anything is coming up as kind of abnormal so if they think your bleeding is more than it should be or your blood pressure's off or whatever they'll then say to you okay now we need to kind of up things and do a bit more regular checks until we're sure that things are okay or we need you to see a doctor or blah 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on how long you're staying is when they'll be talking to you about getting ready to go home 
Um, so roughly kind of what they're looking at for preparing you and baby for discharge. So at some stage after your baby is born, a pediatrician will come to see you on the postnatal ward and do a really thorough neonatal exam. Um, sometimes it's a midwife who's done specific training in neonatal examinations mm-hmm. um, and that has to be done for your baby before your baby is kind of signed off by them to go home. Generally speaking, the pediatricians prefer to do that after your baby is 24 hours old so that they can listen to a specific sound in baby's heart to check mm-hmm. for murmurs. Um, so it's likely to be when baby is 24 hours old or older. Um, then you will be reviewed by a midwife or your obstetrician as needed and you will get things like a prescription if you need them. Um, you will have a questionnaire um, assessing kind of a baseline mental health picture for you. Um, does everywhere do the EPDS girls? No. No, not everywhere. So they use different tools? Yeah, yeah I think everywhere okay. has to... The EPDS. Everywhere should be asking women about their mental health prior to discharge yeah yeah but it's not necessarily on the edinburgh postnatal depression it's a different tool is it so there's like different tools questionnaires yeah or yeah or it's just kind of an assessment i suppose of the woman's um uh what's the word not mood maybe mood is the word i think it's good yeah yeah so this would be maybe where if you were concerned, you could raise anything that you were kind of thinking or feeling that you didn't think was right and um, and where you should feel really comfortable to have a conversation with your midwife um, if you have those concerns. If you do do a screening tool like an Edinburgh postnatal depression score or other such tools um, and there are any flags raised by that assessment, your midwife will tell you and refer you on if needed to a specialist midwife um, for mental health. They'll also advise you just to keep an eye on symptoms and stuff like that for going home um, and to link in with GP or public health nurse if you need to. Um, then kind of follow-up arrangements will be made for you and your baby as needed. Um, that could include um, return uh, hospital appointments and things like that. Um, your baby will have a hearing screen done on the ward um, and arrangements will be made for a metabolic screen for your baby. Have we gone through the Elbrick test before? We haven't got that far yet. No. Okay. So that, that will, will be when we're... That will come up. Fourth, fourth trimester, trimester yeah. Yeah. Um, and then your midwife's just going to go through some discharge uh, education and advice for you, including what is kind of normal to expect in your fourth trimester so that's kind of the first 12 weeks after having your baby and um, mm-hmm. things like how to manage pain at home if you're having it how to look after a section wound or a perineal wound and um, signs of infection when to return to the hospital if something is wrong um, and your follow-up care with public health nurse or gp they'll talk to you about contraception smears resuming sexual intercourse when you can try to conceive again if that's on your mind um physio pelvic floor exercises kind of baby care what to look out for bathing baby what no, what's normal for nappies signs of your baby doing well signs of your baby not doing so well and yeah. they'll talk you fully through kind of feeding what to expect what not to expect um and then they'll give you some brief information about the vaccination program for your baby and um, jaundice what to do if you think your baby's jaundiced there's like 
a million variations of discharge <laughs> education and advice yeah um, but essentially now because of the pandemic which is deadly um a lot of units have put like their antenatal education up online yeah so there's loads of kind of irish specific videos you can go now and watch on youtube or on maternity units websites mm. that have like lots of things there so if there's anything that you don't feel was covered or that you can't remember from all of that you can go back and, and look at all of those which is which is really yeah. helpful now really um just to say that um if you're with a community midwife team like amy is um sometimes called a domino and some Mm. units um you'll probably already know from attending those clinics that you would be a candidate to go home or as early as six hours after having your baby if everything's been fairly straightforward um but also sometimes those teams of community midwives do a thing called early transfer home so if you haven't had your antenatal care with them but if they have space to look after more women in their own homes at an earlier discharge time they will come around to you and say you're living in the area that we cover and you're suitable for an early transfer home would you like to do that and then once that care is provided in your home um you link in with your public health nurse and your gp after that Mm -hmm. and we said we'd also just say obviously if you have a lovely home birth all of these checks and stuff for you and your baby will be done by your midwife in your house and then you get snuggled up and tucked into your bed as your new family and your midwife your home birth midwife will make a plan with you as to when they'll come back and do further checks for you and baby um Mm -hmm. over the following days and um i wanted to double check this with you guys i'm assuming there if when you have your home birth you're referred back into the hospital that you booked with for for like hearing screening and all that uh, well, that's God, a very good know, question. Actually. Yeah, because it's a specific trend. I would assume. So. I presume like, you would because it's a specific. Yeah, I would think so. Test that like, it's newborn screeners that do it in the hospital. It's not necessarily yeah. midwives yeah. that do it. So I imagine that's something. We'll do a whole episode on numbers yeah. in the future. Yes. Yeah, and generally speaking, when something is flagged on your hearing screening, um, in the hospital. Um, you're just brought back, I think, at two weeks postnatal two weeks, to have a yeah, recheck. So bring... I'm assuming like home birth babies would just go to that clinic at two yeah. weeks old or thereabouts yeah, to have their hearing exactly. screening done. Yeah, I had to bring my second girl back at two weeks. And I remember going in like on my own, like bringing her in on my own. It was like my uh, stepdad that brought me to the clinic, right? So I went in on my own and I'm sitting there and the clinic is really busy and like obviously I had like no sleep in that first two weeks and I was there and I was like okay so they're gonna tell me that she's deaf like it's gonna be okay like I was totally you know probably everything was okay but I was fully like it's gonna be okay everything's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine like they're gonna pick it up now she's gonna have really good outcomes it's gonna be okay and I was just like when she and then initially when she did the first test like which is the same as the one that they do in the ward like with the little Mm -hmm. earphones she was like, oh, that's still coming up as a not pass. And I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, 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 yeah, grand. But then she put these little special 
sucker things on the outsides of her ears and she put Aww. probes like down lower yeah and she put kind of probes on her head like all around her head and stuff and then she was like it's okay like don't worry about it it'll be fine I was like yeah, yeah okay yeah and it was a pass and I was just like I was so relieved um but I think that the numbers that they pick up it's something like one to two in a thousand oh, that's, um, I didn't know that. and obviously okay. the benefit the benefit of picking them up at yeah. that stage is the follow-up because Massive. previously yeah. it was between nine and 12 months that they were being tested. So you're missing out on all this yeah. time. Um, so it just means, you know, picking them up early just means the follow-up is so much better and the outcomes then obviously later on are so much down better. the line. Yeah. Are it so is. It's really better. good yeah. that we have it. That only came in in the last, how many years? I think it came in like about six or seven years ago. Yeah, I was going to say last five yeah. or six years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, as Tara would say, your whistle stop tour. <laughs> natal ward. It's my favorite phrase. <laughs> oh. um, so we got, we put out a little call for um, Dear Fanny questions. So we have one here. Will yes. I do this? Yeah. Will I read it out? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, <laughs> okay, I was about to say the person's name. <laughs> this is an anonymous no thank you for respecting yeah their... yeah they're on an yeah. <clears throat> okay so this person says um do midwives have any training any specific training in emotional trauma my first delivery was extremely traumatic and it was evident immediately that i was very affected but i felt like it was i was just patched up physically and sent on my way to the ward Interested to see if midwives have been given tools to recognize and help or was my experience um, an outlier? Um, okay, thank you so much for sending that in. It's a great First question. Of all, um, it's a really good question. It's really sad question. as well though, isn't it? It is so sad and I'm so sorry to hear that that was your experience. Um, and I would like to think that that was an outlier. So thinking about this, I suppose not all midwives are trained like specifically around birth trauma, but we yeah. are trained to care for people giving birth. Like that is, you know, a big part of our role. And sometimes when you're in kind of when you're still in the delivery suite and everything is still very fresh. um, I don't know about you guys, like, you know, sometimes you do like a kind of a quick debrief. Okay. Do you know why there was a lot of people in the room? Do you understand that they were all, you know, serving a purpose? Um, do you understand where we're at now? How do you feel? Sometimes, I don't know, like sometimes I'd see it maybe with some of my colleagues that they might be very nervous to kind of do that there and then. That they're like, yeah, sometimes she's fine. It feels like She'll be not grand. the right time to do yeah, it. Absolutely. And it totally, like it totally depends on the person. Um, and then... When you're down on the ward and like Roisin, you were talking about like the the postnatal checks. So like in the NICE guidelines, part of the postnatal checks is every day as you're having your chat, chat to the woman and you're assessing like her breasts and her uterus and her sutures, if she has any, and her bowels. In all of that, the main thing is that you're also assessing like the mental health. So along yeah. those kind of lines, you're thinking, OK, is there anything that I need to look out for here? And then um, like some of the units now have like a birth reflection service. So like if we see anybody that feels like I had a woman last week on nights, I think. And I kind of said to her, do you know, we have a birth reflection service and we have like little bookmarks, you know, with the email address on them or whatever. And yeah. I was like, just 
I was like, email maybe in about six weeks. And I was like, if you want, you can come back when the dust has settled and go through your notes and just, but like, I do think it's important that people know that those services are there because when you think about something in the moment, but then you think about it a few weeks later, you can feel totally like differently about it. Um, And then obviously we'll always, if we are really concerned about somebody, we will always say to them look will we refer to the mental health services for a little bit of of follow-up and a bit of support yeah um and then there would be midwives who would have like specific training in mental health as well um but that's not every midwife you know what do you guys think yeah i think everything that you're saying is right and i think it's not a conversation that necessarily has to happen it should be an ongoing conversation um mm. and I suppose yeah like, do you want like you know if the person is there you want to kind of you're trying to allow time for the person to enjoy their baby um yeah and kind of maybe give them a minute maybe they don't want to process everything that's happened straight away but equally yeah. part of our job should be able to pick up cues of someone who maybe wants to speak or won't speak unless yeah, you ask absolutely. them so I think there has to be a bit of a mixture but then that's where when they go to the postnatal ward that you know you'd have people kind of saying well how you know how was your delivery yeah and asking them about it and then hopefully that's going to lead to conversation yeah Yeah, for sure and I would say like I think I don't know about you Tara I certainly found even though I had like quote unquote a normal birth experience like Mm -hmm. it takes a long time of reflecting on it several kind of times to really yeah. process the experience in its entirety. Yeah, for sure. And like, there's still things I think sometimes, some days I'm like, remember when Nell just shot out <laughs> me? Like, I'm, 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 I'm still like, that was all a bit mad and intense. And, you know, yeah. I d- I, there, there's, I still, there's still thoughts and feelings there. So yeah. like, I, I agree with you, Amy, like it is something that we should be doing as part of our job, like recognizing in the mm. moment, mm. but also that, as you said, like it's an ongoing conversation and it, maybe it's like all kind of wrapped up in like open disclosure and like lots of different ways of women hearing mm. the information that they need about their birth experiences and what happened mm. and what didn't happen and how, what how they've experience that themselves is different to how it's written down in a chart Mm, and that's you know it's all part of processing it so Mm. I think like we get some training in our degree training of like mental health and modules on that kind of thing yeah um and like I think it could certainly be better Mm. but there are also yeah there are also very specific things like the birth reflections mm. and the mental health that are there as well to help you process that. And yeah. just to say that if you do feel like that about a first delivery and you're going on to have subsequent babies, um, certainly say that to the people that are doing your antenatal care. And yeah. if you haven't linked in with a birth reflections or a mental health service and you're still feeling that way about your first delivery, it would be really important for you to link in with them on Definitely. your subsequent pregnancies so that you kind of yeah, process sure. those feelings going into that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. So um, I think we're good. 
Um, yeah, you guys happy? We we have a big, are we managing under an managing hour? I think under we're 59 an hour. minutes. We have a big announcement rename change on Insta. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Tara, us, Amy. you know all these bits and bobs. No, Amy changed the name. <laughs> no. I just wanted to make it. I just felt people were referring to us as Boom Yannick podcast. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. It's actually Yannick Boom. Um, <laughs> but Yon- at Yannick Boom is taken, even though. There's no account. It's not active. Which is quite annoying. But anyway, so we are now Yannick underscore boom underscore pod. So you'll still be able to find us if you if you forget and type in boom. But it's Yannick underscore boom underscore pod. Email (laughs) us at Yannick boom podcast at gmail.com. And please rate, review, subscribe, follow. um, Tell your friends about us. All those things. Thank you so much. And we will see you soon, hopefully. Yeah. Bye. 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 While we are medical professionals and we love answering your questions, this pod should never be used in place of a real life consultation with a midwife or doctor. If you have a serious concern about your health or a medical emergency, please go to your GP or to a hospital.